Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming uh, along for this um, pre-show discussion with uh, Dominic Cook, Associate Director here at the National Theatre and Director of this evening's performance of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. My name is Anna Mashran, and I've got a few questions to ask Dominic. Um, so, first of all, really nice to meet you again, Dominic. And, uh, Thank you. I'd love immediately just to say, can you tell us how you came to be directing this show? Um, well, um, as associate director, you have to direct plays here. So um, I was looking around for a play to direct and I'd read this play a long time ago. And um, I read it along with various other plays and immediately thought I wanted to do it pretty much as I was reading it. I mean, I think it's... a. I actually think it, I don't. I don't want to set the bar high for the <laughs> evening, but I do think it's a masterpiece. This play. I think it's up there with Arthur Miller and Tennessee Williams, and a, a great American play. And um, I think August Wilson is less known here than mm -hmm. he is in the States. In the States, he does have a very prominent position in the kind of literary canon, and here he's less well known. It's partly because the early productions of his plays over here were quite small-scale productions. Right. Um, and um, so he hasn't quite landed in the culture in the same way as he has over there. Um, and there's something in the play about, obviously the play is very much about the position of African-Americans in the United States, both in the 1920s and the play is set also in uh, the time it was written, and actually today as well, because right. so little has changed, yeah. sadly, in that time. But um, it's also about the frontier between art and money. Right. And anyone involved in putting on plays understands that front. <laughs> yeah. so there's something about that that really, really spoke to me immediately Fantastic. when I read it. So, yeah, so you went to Rufus and said, this is yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he saw your vision as well. In the well, moment. yeah, he just said, OK, then. <laughs> I don't really remember having much of a conversation about well, it. <laughs> I, we, we, we started talking quite a long time ago about the first season, it's the first kind of year of work here. I mean, I started as an associate very early on. Actually, I started having conversations with Rufus and Marianne Elliott before Rufus had got the job. So there were very early conversations, and then that group of associates has now expanded. Um, but we definitely talked about this very early on. Yeah. And um, I also thought it would be great to do... I mean, there's a section at the end of the play, without giving too much away, the last 10 minutes, where I just think there are two scenes next to one another that explain more about why young people are knifing each other on the streets of London than any government report would right. ever yeah. speak. So I felt that it would, the play could really talk to the times we live in and doing it in this big space. Yeah. I thought the play was big enough to fill, fill this very wide stage. So mm. um, it, just sat, it just seemed to be right and Rufus was really up for, up for doing it. So yeah, it's been planned for quite a long time. Right, good, good. And th yeah, that's, I'm glad you just said that last bit because it totally preempted my next question. All right, sorry. <laughs> but that's all right. Because as I say, because August Wilson himself very much saw himself as a representative of a culture, mm. which is the strong black American culture. So it, what it, in that respect, it is kind of interesting to be putting this play on here. Yeah. Uh, 21st century yeah. London. But and mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything more for you to say about how you feel it does resonate with now and how it's... Uh, well, there are, there are certain things that are very specific about the history. And I mean, he's incredibly... One of the things that was a big challenge in doing the play was to, for everyone, to get, for all of the cast and all of us talking about the play, to get into the, 
space of a kind of pre-civil rights consciousness. Mm. Because the civil rights movement is so totemic and it led to so many other movements, feminism, gay rights, huge kind of reams of social change came about and a massive shift in our thinking collectively as a result of the African-American struggle in, uh, you know, for autonomy, for representation, for, for social justice. And um, the thing that he writes so brilliantly is how people thought before that. Yes. So how people thought, you know, the play is really a lot about powerlessness and how people deal with being powerless, whether they settle and the sacrifices they have to make to settle with no agency in life and what they do to get some modicum of control mm -hmm. over their lives in that very narrow space. Because, of course, a lot of the characters in this play, their parents, certainly their grandparents, would have been slaves. Mm -hmm. It was only 50 years after uh, emancipation. So it's, a, it's a, the, the consciousness of slavery, but the fact of it is so present in people's yes. lives. And the expectation for most black people would be, we are powerless, we have no... Um, I suppose not right isn't the right word, but no sense of equality. Mm. Mm. And that's a massive shift for any group of people to make yes. from where we are now, where we're in, a, we're in a time when I know these things actually don't play out often, but the idea is that everyone should be entitled mm. to be, have an equal, equal place in society. So um, that was a really interesting, really interesting challenge. But like all plays, really great plays, I think, they're often about very specific things, but they resonate universally. And the, 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 whilst, it's, whilst the play is very particular to the time and the culture, it's also very universal, I think, about how power works in the world and how important culture is within that. You mm. know, the control of culture is the control of the society. Mm. And where culture comes from, or where art where the creative kind of drive comes from is often from the edge of society. It's often the unexpressed voice yeah. that is the voice that has the most urgency. And very quickly that becomes something that is turned into product mm -hmm. and, and then used to sell um, <laughs> stuff. Yes. To make money for people. And often the people that's making yeah, it's appropriating. Yes. The, money, the people who are making the money out of it are not necessarily the people who originated it. And we see that all the time in popular culture now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there are huge resonances with our, with our times. Mm. And also, having seen the play and almost sort of languished in it, mm. can you just say a bit about the language mm. in the play and how you approach that, if there was any, anything in particular that you, that you did by way of approaching that language or, or in terms of the actor's experience of it? Well, I mean, they did, the actors did a lot of work on dialect, obviously, because it's written in a very specific dialect. Most of the characters are from the South. Um, but a lot of British actors, especially black British actors, play Americans a lot. And we're so used to hearing American accents that that actually wasn't a huge struggle. And there was a lot of very good work done on that um, with the voice department here. Um, but um, really, it's a classical play. It's very much written in a classical tradition, so it's all about ideas, and it's about people changing each other with argument. So it, it lives very much within a tradition going right back to Greek drama, and that's a particular muscle. So we did work a lot on that, yes. on being active all the time with the arguments and ideas, and using them, using them to, to achieve intentions within scenes. Mm -hmm. And that, that, I mean, there are really interesting things you have to do. For example, it's very much like in a Greek play, you might have a messenger coming on stage and talking for 15 minutes 
to someone else on stage, and that someone else can't really interrupt. They just have to sit there and listen and receive the information. Then the end of the speech, they get to speak their yeah, response. Yeah. Well, it's similar in this play in that there's a lot of storytelling, and there are quite long, sustained speeches. And there's a kind of technique in not in controlling your impulse, <laughs> receiving everything, and then you come back with your response. Yes. And that, so there are various technical things you kind of have uh -huh. to get into if you're playing right. classical, classical drama. Right. And presumably uh, the actors, obviously some of them have had the experience of playing in a classical yeah, drama and other things. Yeah. So that would yeah. be able to, they'd be able to bring that to yeah. bear. Uh, and also that's testament to the skill of Wilson and yeah. his writing, yeah. I suspect. Good. Um, and, and this is my first without giving too much away. Mm. Um, can you tell us about Ma Rainey? Well, Ma Rainey was a real person, but the play is completely fictional. Yeah. So it's a bit, I likened it to a Shakespeare history play where you have a real person, but often, you know, Shakespeare plays very fast and loose with history. He, yeah. he, he alters it to suit, you know, he's primarily a dramatist, not a documentary writer. And the same is true with this play. Mm. And Ma Rainey did exist. She did record these songs at around this time in Chicago. Uh, she was known as the mother of the blues. She was a very, very successful recording artist. Um, but everyone else in the play is made up. The situation is completely made up. Um, so I think he chose to use a real person because the music's so good. Mm. And he wanted to, you know, he was obsessed with, uh, August Wilson was obsessed with the blues. It was, he, he, talked, he talked about it as the wellspring of his art. And he, he it, it threaded through a lot of his plays. And, um, so I think he wanted to use an iconic figure right. so that you know, the audience could hook into both that, the actual songs that are played, but also a sense of someone who really did have power or should have had power yeah. and, and place her in this world where she doesn't really have much control over how her music is put out into the world. No, no. And it's interesting to see, as, again, as you said earlier, how people do exercise the little bit of power mm that they have yeah. and, and make the most of that, yeah. I, I suppose. Well, actually, one of the breakthrough yeah. moments in rehearsals when we realised that, that she actually quite enjoys exercising the tiny bits of power she yes. has because she's, I don't again, not, without giving too much away, she absolutely understands where she sits. Right, yeah. She doesn't let, it, let, let much on early on in the play, but she, it's revealed that she knows precisely where she sits, and she she fights every little bit. Every little bit of territory yeah. is pushed as far as it can within the very limited amount of space that she has, mm. and that that's how she asserts her kind of dignity in a way and yes. her place. Yes, um, and it's it's. <laughs> she's brilliant at winding up the white <laughs> studio owner and, the, and her manager <laughs> by just pushing, pushing, pushing in whatever way she can yeah. to remind them that it's her music, it's her art, she's the reason why everyone is there. Yeah. And there's actually kind of, there is a kind of strange glee <laughs> in that, within that. Definitely yeah. is, there definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Once you realise what's going on as well, yeah. it's fantastic, it is good. Um, and, and sort of spinning out of that, how much, well not so much how much research, but how did you research, especially 1927, mm. is that right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just how did you research that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I did. To be honest, I read a bit. I read a bit about Ma Rainey. Um, uh, there's quite. There's a really brilliant book about her, and there's a lot of 
stuff about her. Um, our designer, Ultz, was unbelievably thorough, and he went to uh, Georgia, Columbus, Georgia, where she lived, and went to Atlanta, uh, and really did a huge amount of, re of research. I mean, I, I, did, I did a fair bit, but in the end, sometimes with fiction, you have to be careful about doing yeah. too much because you can get tied down to the research and not the play. And actually, what he does with the, the, the real character is kind of more interesting. So I was more interested in the metaphor and the kind of myth of it mm -hmm. in the end. I mean, you're informed by, for example, you have to understand how they recorded the yeah. music. Yeah. Because it was very early days in the recording industry, and uh, it's quite interesting, these wax kind of... Uh, discs that they recorded yeah. onto, uh, which you could not re-record onto. No. So every time <laughs> the recording goes wrong, it's costing the studio owner quite a lot of money, um, which which plays out in the in the story. Yeah. But um, so there, 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 there's quite a lot. To, there was quite a lot that we needed to do. But I, I didn't get really too tied up in that. Right. He he's pretty free with it. Yeah. Lucas Wilson. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose. And on the one hand, he he also helps you as a director mm. because it's, it's, it's actually set in one location. Yeah. There are bits within the location itself, yeah. but it is all set in one location. But, uh, but when I was watching it, I was struck, I did get a real sense of that world outside. Right, yeah. Um, which you managed to bring I think we, were, we talked with, I think the main thing we focused on was what, was the kind of consciousness of the characters at that time and what their lives would actually mm. be like. And we thought, we, I mean, a lot of it's imagination rather than fact. So, you know, we, we knew, there's a lot in the play about how their lives work out. I mean, she's, for example, a primarily, and this is true of the real Ma Rainey, mm. was primarily a live performance artist. She came from vaudeville. Mm. And um, she's very much part of that performance tradition. And she feels, and she articulates in the play, most alive performing. She doesn't really, she's not really interested in, the, in, in recording. It's not really of interest to her. Uh, she does it because she can make a little bit of money doing it, yeah. uh, but it's not, it's, not, it's not where she's most alive. And it's one of the things in the, you know, there's something in the uh, play about the misunderstanding. And of course, it's massively inflamed by all the racial tension and the economic disparity between the characters. But there's a, there's a, there's a really interesting thing about artists and technicians. <laughs> <laughs> and technicians just not getting that sometimes artists do have their rituals. They do have their, you know, it's, there's a lot of pressure to, on the creative moment for a yes. singer to come up with a brilliant version of the song. Yeah. And they're constantly complaining that she will only do one take. But actually, a lot of artists <laughs> are like that. A lot of film actors like to, do, to put it out on the first take because they understand that instinct is really important. And if, you pull, if something happens in the moment, it's very hard to reproduce that. Mm. So they're, they're often seeing her you know, kind of way she behaves around her creative process yes. as something deliberately um, aggressive and, and um, blocking of their, mm. of their wishes. And uh, he's really brilliant on all of that. I mean, I, you know, I, I recognise that and I understand it. And, uh, you know. <laughs> as a director. Well, yeah, because, a, yeah. Because, because you're always managing, you know, you're always managing instinct and, and the unconscious and the intuitive, you yes. know. And that's the key to creativity. Mm. And so whatever you're doing, you're trying to find a way of releasing that. And, and she understands it. She's an experienced yes. artist. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating moment because it's a moment where, you know, these vaudeville performers were being recorded. The technology was, as, as I said, very much in its infancy. And um, they also, it was the frontier between the blues age and the jazz age. Mm. And that's another thing that the play is also about, you know, 
How do yes. you, you know, how do you deal with as an artist the times moving on? Mm. Do you stay true to where you came from? Do you try and adapt to what's going to be marketable and what's going to make you a bit more money? Yeah, I mean, and because there is, I think the, you know, all drama is about change, mm. um, and I guess that's the skill of Wilson as well. He see, he's invented mm. a moment where it's right on the cusp yeah. of that change, but not only in terms of the art and the yeah. industry, but uh, the culture itself, you know, and again, try not to be a spoiler, but yeah. it's what, there's so many things we take for granted now mm. that just wasn't, wasn't the case mm. in terms of, as I say, whether or not, it's about whether your parents were free people, yeah. um, but also your level of literacy yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. that, that, that was, I mean, did you delve into that a lot in the rehearsals? I think we did do some research yeah. into how and how what proportion of African-American people at the time could read, and it was a pretty small number. Yeah. But of course, there, there are two, I mean, there are all sorts of moments of change historically at this point. One is, you know, one is this, um, this, this moment of, I suppose, a massively increased urban black population mm. in the north, because it was at the tail end of a lot of migration North, northwards, many, especially in, um, in Chicago. I think because the trains went straight up to Chicago. I think that's one of the reasons right. why was there was yeah. such a large black population, or an in increasing black population at that time. But then as a result of that, jazz, which came out of the cities, yes. and the blues, which is much more of a rural sound that came from slavery, and um, the, 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 the crossover, that, the, the fault line mm. there. And I mean, most... Good drama is set at a point of at a point of change, at a point yes. of tension, yes. where you know those values kind of up for grabs, and that's all played out in in, mm. in the play. Mm. And I don't know if this is if this is possible, but I, what I was really interested in was the idea of contradiction, mm. um, almost as a theme yeah. within the play. And I say I don't know if it's possible to talk about that in right. any way again without giving too much away, but. I don't know, did you cover or talk much about that in rehearsals or uh, explore that? Well, I mean, I don't know about contradiction so much as, I mean, I think the play is fantastically even-handed mm. in its understanding of the very different forces at work. So he's, he's, it's the, it reminded me a lot of Arthur Miller actually working on it because it's got, it's got that thing at points where you go, I really agree with what you're saying. And now I agree with what you're saying, and it's totally different to what that person just <laughs> said. And it's that ability of a great dramatist to inhabit completely different experiences and points of view. Mm. So, you know, there is one person in the band who is struggling to um, make his mark, and he identifies very much with the urban, um, northern culture of the jazz world and the future. Um, and the other people in the band are kind of saying, no, 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 no. Firstly, that's not your job. Your job is as an accompanist to Mar Rainey. And secondly, uh, you're not understanding that the blues is uh, a really valuable form in itself. Mm. So that he, he inhabits, in terms of contradiction, he inhabits both those positions very, very fully. Yes. And you understand why the young man, who is very talented, wants to exercise that talent and wants mm. to move the form forward. And why the people who are the traditionists go, yeah, but actually this is a really great thing and just being good at one thing and getting better at it is also valid. So he, he has that thing of, you know, yeah. of, uh, and, and, and as a director, your job is often to get out of the way and go, 
we need to fully inhabit both those perspectives so the audience are left with a problem. Mm. If, you, if you side too much with one, this is my view anyway, if you side too much with one perspective, the audience are made passive because they're told what to think. Yes. Whereas if you, if you give every perspective a proper weight and understanding and you empathise as the writer has with why each of the characters feels the way they do, you allow the moment to be much more alive for mm. the audience. So, I mean, I don't know whether that answers your question, but in terms of the contradictions at work in the play, I think he's, 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 he's really fully brought those to life. Yes, yes, yes. He's sort of mined each and every one of them, yeah. given them a three-dimensional yeah. essence to the Great. Uh, I'd like to thank you so much for this fantastic conversation. I have thank been you. writing down things. I <laughs> just think you're fascinating. So it's really thank great. You thank much. you very thank much you. indeed. Thank you.